What's up to all your sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You're listening to Spoiler Alert, the weekly conversation review show. No, we don't review conversations. We review comics. We don't even review them. We discuss them every week. Uh, sometimes you get all of us. Sometimes you get some of us. But this time you get Johnny Destructo and uh, Mark underscore L underscore Miller. Say hi. Hi. And Rob Patey. Hi. Yep, there he is. Such enthusiasms, the likes of which I've never seen. I'm here. <sighs> oh, hey, uh, we, uh, I have an email. <laughs> mail to scat scat mail scat scat mail scat face mat scat mail. Instead of what? scat, instead of scatting, you're just saying the word scat over and over again. <laughs> I'm not sure that's how that works. Oh, I was speaking in tongues. Yeah, instead of instead of, by the Holy instead of rapping, you're just saying rap over and over again. Rap, rap, liberty, rap, rap. It rhymes on the beat. It rhymes on the beat. Fuck you. Yeah, it does. All yeah. right. This one uh, says, hey, guys. So listening to you guys talk about Doomsday Clock helped to verbalize how I felt about the book for a while. It's a bit wordy, so apologies. <clears throat> I'm really torn on this series. On the one hand, every issue is exceptionally well done. Writing and art are easily among the best things Johns and Frank have ever done, and it really does feel like they're setting a very high bar. On the other hand, the story doesn't seem to be moving at all. We're halfway through, and at the current pace they're going, to have to cram a lot into the final issues. At present, we still don't know what happens to any of the original Watchmen characters, save for Ozzy and Rorschach, and the state of the DCU and all of their characters is so far from where their current books are that I can't see how the rest of the line will eventually deliver on this promise. Honestly, I'm not even sure I want to deliver this world to the rest of the line. Every Bat character has seemingly been turned back to the 90s, or earlier, if looking at the Riddler. Lois and Clark are back to status quo. Shout out to Bendis's mystery over in action. Daylight doesn't seem to exist anymore. Everyone is miserable, etc. In, is Dr. Manhattan secretly Zack Snyder? Why is everything so dark? If this is where Heroes in Crisis leads, I'm not sure I want to follow. Johns is doing a masterful Alan Moore impression, so I can't take anything away from the individual issue-slash-efforts. However, having reread Watchmen in the run-up to this series, like 150 months ago, Moore's story moved forward every issue while delivering a ton of characterization. So while this is all really well done, I still haven't seen a reason for it to exist. I honestly would have loved this had it not been cramming the DCU characters in. They've contributed nothing to the overall story, as Johns is clearly more interested in playing in Moore's sandbox. Most of what we've read so far has been devoted to Vite, Marionette, and Mime, Rorschach, and Comedian, while Batman, Superman, and the other DC characters have been peripheral at best. Batman is suddenly too dumb to competently swing over 
a bloodthirsty crowd. Firestorm is on TV to explain his powers while talking to himself, because that doesn't look crazy at all. Also, the Superman theory feels like an incredibly flimsy reason for the public to turn on superheroes, as there have been literally hundreds of them at this point. So Earth Prime is just now asking how they got their powers? Obviously, I'll be sticking with the series until the end. It just feels like Johns has to do a lot of heavy lifting in a much shorter span. Here's hoping he doesn't have to Dark Knight's metal his way through this. Also, random aside, I find it legit funny that the DC mandate was that you're allowed to say shit and nothing else. So it basically feels like there's an entire world of DC characters just learning that word exists and using it like a four-year-old. I get that this series skewers older... But that part feels laughable every issue. Keep up the good work. Random clever name. That was a good email. Man. That was from a new listener. Yay. Yeah. Thank you, random clever name. Awesome. I agree with everything he says. I, yeah. uh, I, I think that he's, I think Johns is avoiding using Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Um, mainly because we, we already know those characters really well and he's introducing these new newer yeah. characters into this this universe i think so but i do agree that um there's so little stakes going on as of yet as to how it's all mm-hmm. coming together or how these new characters are falling into this world discovering it and understanding the rules of this world Probably because he's not using the main three characters that we have the most interest in in the DC world. Yeah. I mean, everyone's looking forward to the meeting of Superman and Dr. Manhattan. Uh, You know, that's what this is all. And wasn't that like one of the covers of the first issue? It was like Uh, Superman and Manhattan, I thought. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of a promo poster or something. It was the clock and the Superman Ah. symbol on the clock. I think they're writing a hell of a story. It's just that, yeah, I agree. I hope it doesn't peter out. I hope it doesn't uh, lose. I don't lose interest because of there's so much time in between. Um, it's that's that's just a little frustrating that it's I don't know. It's a quarterly yeah. book. It seems at this point. Yeah, we all. I mean, and we also haven't seen any of the other Watchmen character those those that are alive. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's been the focus on. The two new characters who are fucking amazing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And were this coming out monthly, were this a known ongoing series, I- I'd be more forgiving of taking the first arc, the first five or yeah. six issues to, yeah. to introduce those new yeah. Watchmen universe characters. But we came into this hoping to see the integration of the old characters, not, you know, like just the comedian kind of, you know, off in a corner every fucking four issues here's my gun yeah yeah. hey guys yeah yeah i i don't know i i don't know have they focused on ozymandias that much i guess he talked with lex luthor he beat lex luthor and that was about it Um, i would say he's not an a player so far he's been sort of just like a b plus player but he's i don't think he's like a c or d player so he's not like missing (laughs) yeah 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 he's been scant not scat but scant the other thing about Doomsday Clock, though, is I feel like it's probably I thought this was going to be the final arc of this big story that they've been telling this was going to culminate and, and finish up. But I'm wondering if this Doomsday Clock is just another but longer The Button, like just another miniseries yeah. in, in a... and then there'll yes. be another miniseries yes. after that. Yeah. 
But isn't the point, though, to integrate them into the DC Mm -hmm. proper universe? Isn't that why we're doing all this? Yeah. Well, no one is integrating them until this series is done. And then once this is done, you'll get, like, uh, Nightwing versus Osmanius. Actually, if they follow follow true to form, they'll integrate them all a month Mm -hmm. before this series is done. I was just about to say that. Yes, that's, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I, we're all going to keep reading yeah. it, and I, and I'm enjoying yeah, it. I don't have a problem with this particular series. There are a lot of series that I will uh, have to go back and reread in order to catch up because it's been so long. But this one, uh, I feel like I'm doing okay on so far. Yeah, and I was gonna, I was gonna say, uh, bitch is the word I'm looking for. I'm John's and oh, Frank's yes, yes. bitch. Yeah, yes, very much so. Uh, all right, we have another email, a response. Well, a backup email, not a backup. What's what? that I'm looking for? Um, yeah, like a responding email. So Michael know. Del Sol, Justice League Jones, JL Jones. He had written us before, <laughs> and uh, he had done a whole saga comic book spoiler that I didn't know had happened, but we read it anyway on the show. But then I decided in, in post, uh, I believe I cut out that portion of the email. So he responded again. He said, one... The saga portion of my last email was a mistake. I sincerely apologize. It caught me off guard, and I wanted to hear your thoughts, but it was bad judgment. Two, your shows are excellent and must-listens. Really good work. It takes the stress away from my workday, and I always look forward to them. Thank you, Justice League Jones. So, because um, I was teasing him about all his, like, uh, he was calling us, like, pieces of shit, and our show sucks and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, like, he was writing in to be like, I mean, I like the show. Um, yeah. right. so thanks. Well, good. We did no uh, no response to uh, good night slapsies from last yeah, week. Yeah, no huh? good night this week. Well, now good night did a slapsy on JLJ oh, last he did? week. Yeah. Oh. He threw down the gauntlet. Yeah, nothing doesn't sound like that gauntlet was picked up at all. Nope. He just he just ignored it and walked away. That's, and, that's the, and that is the mature or thing to do. Or he just hasn't listened to the episode no. yet, and we're going to get one later. Or the email sitting there, and we yeah. just can't find it. <laughs> Entirely possible. That, that could be it. We'll read that in October. Thanks, hey, buddy. So those are the two emails that we got. Um, do Yay. We, uh, Yay. Rob had uh, he was going to do a Rob's gaming quarter corner. It's gaming in here, huh? But I thought uh, maybe we could do we could broaden a little bit and do a. Hey, what have you been doing this week, huh? What? Huh? I mean, oh. You cut out. I'm sorry. Hey, hey Mark, what have you been doing this week, huh? What have I been doing this week? Oh, are we? Oh, <laughs> so I read Journey into Mystery. Hey. It's the birth of Krakoa, the island that walks like a man. So Krakoa, give us... It smells like oh. a woman. <laughs> pH balanced for a woman. Uh, let us. What is what is Krakoa? If for those of us who don't know, for those of us who aren't fucking forty years old. Okay. Uh, the uh, Krakoa is an island that walks like a man, <laughs> and the second the second team of X Men were sent over there on their very first mission. Um, and uh, fought the mm-hmm. island. This is back in like giant size X Men number one. Back in was it the eighties? Yeah. 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 Okay. Or like late seventies. No. Yeah, 80s. giant size X Men number one. They introduced a new team. Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen seventy five. Oh wow! Whoa! That's yeah. That was before I was born. Holy shit! Uh, 
but yeah, so they get there. Uh, they, this is the origin story of this, and it's got Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos, mm-hmm. um, and their plane gets caught in. There's this science uh, plane that drops a bomb on an island. And it's like uh, it's they don't specify what it is. Um, they say it's kind of like a top secret radiation bomb, but it it looks like a lot, lot like it could be a gamma bomb, like oh. another sort of thing. Uh, and basically, Nick Fury and and uh, the Howling Commandos are all like coming back from war, and they are uh, um, they're a little weary, but they get caught in the blast of the bomb and they crash land near the island and they get all separated and the island they, there's some really good horror moments in oh. this book um it is this is written by dennis hopeless who hasn't written uh i i mean he he wrote the uh um what the unstoppable wasp oh is that, that him huh. wasn't that him no no okay no that's he, he didn't do that he did spider woman Ah, yes, that's the one. The pregnant yes. spider woman with the new cool pregnant outfit. Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um she so I really like this for, as a horror comic because you got Nick Fury, he's down in the, the bowels of the island, um under these all these caves and he finds this radioactive heart and then the heart starts talking to him and the, and all this stuff. Dum Dum Dugan and uh Gabriel uh um, I forget is Gabriel Jones maybe I don't know, but he uh, they are um, together and Gabriel gets this moss on his leg and it starts covering him all up totally and he by the end of the book he's walking around completely covered in moss they call him moss oh man. we've seen this before yeah yeah it's like uh, yeah that's like from Creepshow basically yep Creepshow one yeah yep, with and Stephen the, King the other guys are hallucinating and they're seeing each other dying of radiation poisoning so it's a pretty dark story like the like uh the other three howling commandos that no one ever talks about <laughs> but uh, his name I don't they're know, all yeah. just yeah they all wear different hats and stuff uh one's named izzy and he he has seen the bomb go off in uh it, it, back home in top secret testing and so he knows what kind of bomb it is they don't say it's a gamma bomb but you know the the bombs in the dc or in the marvel universe are always gamma bombs it seems like that's yeah. instead of like nuclear bombs anyway uh so so yeah it's a great story i thought it was a really fun story it's a little hokey but it's just because of the 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 way the narrator uh goes through it 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 kind of speaks in the mighty marvel manner so it's it's a mm. throwback it's a throwback way of of narrating which um i don't know it's some people might not like that but as far as like just a really haunting tone and uh, some really scary images that you normally don't see in comics. This this one works really well. Nice. Yeah. Rob, what have you been doing this week, huh? Well, I'm going to fuck your role because he took more than a minute. So I will do the comic yeah, That was supposed review. to be a minute review. Sorry. Fuck you. It was so a I'm big gonna, book. This is yeah. like, that book was like, and I think. It's I, still I, going. It doesn't end. I guess it's 33 pages, but still, that's a long. <laughs> Never mind. Rob, still fucking done. What? All right. So, uh, what did I do this week, huh? What'd you so, do this week, huh? Jesus Christ. So, for one thing, <laughs> I did the Rob Gamey Corner. It's Gamey over here. I got the Oculus Go, which is the first standalone VR unit. Everybody has gone VR already. Has had to use one in their phone. Has had to put their phone in it. 
virtual reality, not venereal disease for bug. Um, and this is the very first. That's VD. Yeah, that's VD. Well, you knew he'd go there. It's, no. It was a preemptive. Everything's um, venereal with with bug. <laughs> Just name all of us at once. Jedi Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so Oculus Go standalone unit, um, priced competitively two hundred dollars. It is fucking gorgeous. I'll say the games are a little flat. It's a little like kind of going back to the late nineties and playing a little bit of Mist, but the porn is exceptional. It is a, hey! a whole new level. You are in the scene. Holy shit! You're way up all, up, all up in the vagina. Well, if that's your thing, or whatever, whatever your thing is, it's there. Whatever, it's, whatever hole, yeah. We don't, we don't, guts. we don't judge where you porn, but I'm telling you now, if you porn and you're not doing on VR, you're missing a whole new world, Aladdin. Uh-huh. Uh, well, my, I, one... I usually just tape the computer to my face. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder why your computers hate you. <laughs> Oh, there's a opportunity there. There is. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, my lesson one minute review is Fantastic Four number two. So getting to see the other, last we left the Fantastic Four new book, uh, it was Ben and Johnny scene, what they're doing on Earth without the rest of the family. And voila, Big Four appears on the sky. Well, this issue uncovers how we get to see that four in the sky because we finally get to go back to the first family as they're out there making realities and cataloging them. And God, I love this fucking book. Ah, That's great. my only mirror, mirror, me Robbie sad is the fact that, um, God, I want to see all those realities I adventured through. Like, this is what Exiles has been trying to be for many, many issues and shitting the bed repeatedly. Yeah, what uh, a bummer. This issue does deal away somewhat with the construct of Franklin being able to just pop realities out of his ass. So, Noise. So, no, no, well, noise-ish, because I think the hopes of seeing that book I want to see of traversing the multi-realities uh, shit the bed with mm. that change. But everybody's back on Earth, and a lot of fun. Damn good. Nice. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for that. I want to see it. Yeah, uh, I I noticed that uh, Powerhouse, like Franklin Richards has a new name, Powerhouse. And, oh, really? Yeah, and Valeria Richards is called Brainstorm. Yeah. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, not great. Not great. But it's it's it. It's good. I mean, okay. I'm not going to give away because I know you guys are going to read it, but it's yeah. The kids have aged appropriately as well. Um, yeah. Really, just really well done from a single issue perspective, a series perspective, and a universe building perspective. Well done. Nice. Well, All right. Well, Very cool. Well, what's still over we, a minute. Yeah. Good job. Still shorter. Still <laughs> shorter. And still shorter. Talky, talky, tawny over here. I know, I can't stop hearing Can't me. stop, won't stop. Chatty Kathy. Well, I'll tell you what I've been doing this week, huh? What have huh? you been doing this week? Huh? Well, I'll tell you, I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you asked. Um, I've been playing the Spideyman's game on oh. the PS4. Back in uh, on Black Friday, uh, there was a super sale on the PS4, and literally... 90% of the reason I bought a PS4 is because I knew that this Spider-Man game was coming. So I was banking a lot on this game being playable. And man, it is the best Spider-Man game since Spider-Man 2 from 
God, I don't even know how long ago. Back, it was the movie tie-in game from uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Two. So it was a while ago. And oh, there's been five. a buttload of them. Is it oh five? Yeah. There's been a buttload of them since then, and I haven't liked any of them as much as that one. And this is right up there with it. I think it's fantastic. I heard, I heard, I heard the open world on it is just phenomenal. They've they've done Manhattan Island. It's truncated. It's shrunk in. Like mm-hmm. Battery Park isn't as big as the real Battery Park, but you know they they just say it's it's almost it's almost block for block uh, lower Manhattan. It's really cool, and it's so much. My the most fun I have is uh, swinging through the city as fast as I can, and making turns and whipping around and stuff like that, and then stopping crimes. So um, I've been doing that and collecting backpacks and and taking um, photographs of different landmarks and stuff. Um, and I'm only like twenty percent into the game because I've just been fucking around, <laughs> just swinging mm-hmm. around town. So just yeah, a man, tip, it's been a bucket of fun. Just t- just the tipping, Manhattan. Yeah. I don't know. No, it it sounds to me, my friend, like you are balls deep in the game because you are doing a fuck ton of side missions without completing the main quest. So the goodness. No, no, I'm just the tipping because I haven't plunged in yet. Right. But your playability. So yes, you are. You're just the tip on the game, and I'm making you say it. It's great. Um, It's a tip (laughs) on the game, but you are balls deeping on the play experience. Oh yes, there we go. Attaboy. There we go. Uh, The other thing I'm going to mention real quick. I don't know if you guys have experienced this or not, but uh, there is a book club that I go to. Not Besides mine, I have a graphic novel book club at my store. Um, I go to a book club at Spiral Bookcase, also in Man- uh, Manhattan, also in Maniunk. Jesus. And this month we're doing The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <gasps> oh, 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 oh. I love that Which book. I've never read before. I watched the, the movie uh, when that ah. first came out, and it's, it was terrible. Oh, it's the worst. Oh, it's um, not bad. It's underrated. Did you read the, you read the book? No. Yeah, I did, well, actually. The... Yeah, I read the book. So um, I'm on page 192 of about 216 pages, so I'm almost done. And it took me about maybe halfway through the book to start giving a shit, but now I'm really enjoying it. I think it's really good. So you're a big fan of this, Rob? Yeah, I mean, that's one of my favorites, along with, I think the sequel is So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. Uh, I think the next one is the restaurant at the end of the galaxy or something. The galaxy. And then the third one is so long. It thanks for all the fish. Yeah. Um, So the, yeah, the trilogy is just phenomenal. Um, And other, yeah, Douglas Adams just, he reinvented kind of how we could look at the universe, very commercial Mm -hmm. and a parody of ourselves. But I I can't explain why it's so brilliant. I've read it probably when I was a teenager, um, but it is one I've gone back to. I've read it one more time after that. So that to me is usually the hallmark of a good series. If I can go back into it a second time and I don't remember every fucking page. Yeah. Um, you know, we had book club a couple, I guess maybe last week and um, we were talking about it and we were trying to figure out why it's such a classic, why so many people seem to uh, be obsessed with it. And, and they, you know, they've got don't, don't panic towels and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we decided it must be a teenage book. Like, if you're a teenage kid um, and this is the first time you're reading it, it probably deals with a lot of things that you haven't read before. But having read Grant Morrison a bunch until now, I feel like a lot of this is old hat because he deals with a lot of the same big, big funny concepts. 
Yeah, I, and you know, but you got to look at again and appreciate the source. So mm-hmm. Adams did it before Morrison. Yeah, of course. So, but anyway, that's what I've been doing this week. Huh? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, all right, let's talk about some comic books. Man, we are we are going at a good clip. Only twenty four minutes. Penance for last week. Jesus Christ, you guys. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Holy shit. I know. I know. <laughs> all right, MCMLXXV number one. Uh, Mixel from Mixel Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 1975. I had to look up those numerals because I didn't know what the fuck they translated as. I knew they were numbers. I was like, those are definitely Roman numerals. And I Googled it, and it turns out it's 1975, which is when this takes place. And it's written by Tom Payer. Nope, I'm reading the wrong stuff. It's written by Joe Casey with art by Ian Mc- McEwen. And Image has this to say about it. Meet Pamela Evans. Much more than a typical Manhattan cab driver, she also happens to be a badass monster fighter who wields an enchanted tire iron. Welcome to the year of her greatest adventure. Uh, so I thought this was probably my favorite book of the week. I wow. thought this was a bucket of fun. Uh, there was a bunch of surprises for me because I didn't read the preview for it. I had no idea what it was about. I literally just opened it and started reading. And also, I'm not a huge Joe Casey fan. I think he wrote Sex, is that correct? I don't know. It was an image book called Sex, and uh, I absolutely hated it. So uh, I didn't go in with the highest of hopes just because of his name. But, man, did I love this book. What did you think, Rob? I like this book. Um, so the, the whole premise of she's a taxi driver. She's also fighting what appears to be demons from hell. Um, so the construct, 1975, very cool and i'm one of those dorks i gotta figure out the fucking roman numerals all the time just because i'm afraid my parents will still be disappointed in me if i can't um and they don't even listen to this show um <laughs> so i the construct is cool um the vibe of it is cool the art is gorgeous the story yeah. in and of itself too many weird constructs slapped together i I don't know the cab driver doing the fighting and fifty five dollars for a cab fare in nineteen seventy five. I'd rip the throat out of a fucking cab. <laughs> they charge me that much today. Um, now we know why Uber took over. Well, she did fight off <laughs> a bunch of Nazis that were attacking Nazis, her. They were ninjas. attacking her, not the person in the car. Oh yeah, this no, is they were across the bear. She, but they weren't attacking her. Were they? Were they? They yeah. were fighting each other, and she jumped in the middle of it. Why do they always appear? I'm sure when that guy rides a cab, he doesn't always see death ninjas cascading about, likewise with the old woman. So I'm assuming they are uh, attracted to our protagonist pheromones and yeah. not the denizen of the car. Yeah, she's just – or she's just naturally drawn drawn to them. Okay, uh, so if – if my, well, they, if they my, know her, right? So there's a scene here where they're addressing each other. She's murdered all of the ninjas except for one final guy. Yeah. And he says to her, you've still got your skills, but not nearly enough to save you from the inevitable little Pamela. So at first you think that they're just blocking the way and being dickheads. Uh, and then after a while, you, you come to realize that they are uh, coming after her specifically. So yeah. here's an analogy for you. If my cab driver has hepatitis Q and I didn't give it to them, I'm not going to pay for their treatment. Now, if I kiss my cab driver on the lips and give them hepatitis Q, I'll pay for some Valtrax, okay? Yeah, that's true. It's the same analogy as Death Ninjas. 
Well, the Death Ninjas, uh, it just reminds me a little bit of uh, um, Next Wave, a little bit, where huh. it's just, you know, it's just like <laughs> random monster being thrown at our heroes. And, uh, you know, it happened like three times in this book. Um, and it, I want, I, I'm not saying that it wasn't entertaining because I, I, I had a ball with this book. The art is great. The, the, just the pacing is really good. And just the fact that she has time to take on like three different, like, well, two hordes of, of, of like people, monsters. people and monsters, and then a fiery demon thing. Uh, that's, that's, I mean, that's pretty cool. That's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it just feels like I want a little bit more of that. A little hmm. bit. You know, I, I I want more story. I want it. I, I, this is a great introduction, a very cool character, um, and I like it that you get a little backstory of her with her grandpa. Um, yeah. But I I want. Uh, I I mean I, the, that's I guess that's a good compliment. I want more. You know. It's, yeah, yeah, me too. I I, I think this is uh, so much fun. I think it's uh, there's a couple elements here that I've noticed in other books. Um, what you know the glowing tire iron reminds me of kevin matchstick from mage a little bit because he's got the glowing baseball bat yeah and then we've got the the disc jockey who there's always close up of his lips which is very much like um the film the warriors yeah and and uh um uh what's that spike lee movie do the right thing yeah and yeah Yeah. And then you've, of course, you've got the two giant um, gangs fighting each other under the, uh, you know, the L there. So that was also very, um, uh, very warriors. But uh, none of that bothers me. Um, It it seems like it's pulling from a bunch of stuff, but uh, it's I think it's still like electric and fun and the panel layouts are great and they're very dynamic and the colors fantastic. Uh, And I love the designs of these demons and everything. Uh, which are very kind of Kirby-esque. But, yeah. man, yeah, this is a bucket of fun. I, I, I'm definitely going to be reading number two. Yeah, I, I'll be reading number two as well. I, I think it's a good um, – the cover is really iconic. Um, the uh, And it's unconventional, which I like a lot. Um, yeah, it, it, this is a this is a cool book. Um, uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I often wonder, like – um, it's almost sometimes like it's a no-no for like white guys to draw black characters, and um, I don't know if that's a thing with this one or not, or if there's uh, there definitely is a a little there's like a graffiti sort of like detail to it on the walls and everything, you know, just like kind of it looks like Harlem basically mm-hmm. of like or I mean I've never been there, but it's like I've seen movies, so it looks like yeah. that type of artwork and it's busy and it's all over the place and everything and i just i just don't know if if is the is the other guy like uh like who's the who's the right who's the artist the artist is uh, ian e- mcewen ewan e- oh, is that mcewen or is that mace one mace i don't know it, also it, um just real quick yeah whenever you're talking there's a rumbling happening into the microphone uh, I don't, honestly okay sorry about that I was. Any idea what I it was, is? I was probably laying down. It was probably against. I was. Uh, it was my ears. Okay, perfect. You sound. You sound much better now. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. I will. That sit. was. I'll. I'll say, having grown up and gone into New York in the seventies, 
Um, there was a bit, bit of a vibe, especially when she was doing one of the fairs when they're, you know, they're kind of going through Times Square area uh, yeah. of the deuce on um, HBO right now, which oh, yeah. Times Square was just a fucking cesspool. Yeah. Harlem even is, you know, in my car window got shot out in Harlem in 1991 when we went to New York for fake IDs and we decided to play Barry Manilow songs as we were driving through Harlem. We, we deserve to get shot at. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you know, Harlem really didn't get re-gentrified until Bill Clinton set up shop there after his presidency. So, yeah, yeah they, they did a very good job uh, uh, capturing sort of the seedy side of New York, especially in the 1970s. It was a well, successful. Yeah, I mean, it definitely reminds me of, like, movies like Warriors um, and Taxi Driver, uh, yeah. Just all this, like, just really gritty New York. So this artist most likely has lived in New York, or maybe he uh, as there's a lot of there's a lot of street stuff that might be photo, like you know, pho- referenced. Yeah, photo refed, but um, still, it's done in such a dynamic manner that you don't. It's not like a Alex Maleev or you know oh, something no. something that's like so pho- photographed that and she's she's definitely like well drawn very very cool mm-hmm. very iconic um strong character um yeah although as a kid were you ever like would you have ever said i want to be a taxi driver now i was wondering that myself she's yeah. like i'm going to be the best taxi driver ever and i was like what is what is the qualification whoa. for that like what yeah. is that what makes you the best it's like whoa aim high <laughs> yeah. taking you know, forever to get out of your cab and fight ninjas while your fare is sitting there waiting and you know hoping he doesn't get murdered and then charging yeah. him 55 dollars is not what i would call the greatest taxi experience i've ever had no no but, i mean uh, it's this is literally why Uber took over <laughs> because of the ninjas yes. and the fifty five fucking dollar fare. I'm not paying <laughs> for you to fight your fucking ninjas. No. Yeah. I really like this scene where she goes up and she basically just throws herself on this dude. And it, like he's just sitting there flipping records. Mm-hmm. She wants a little sugar. Oh my god! If she wants sugar, she gets sugar. Yeah, she does. Fuck yeah. Baka chicka. Time to reconnect, you dig? And he's like, oh, hell. (laughs) (laughs) Give me Um, that sugar. It's really cool. I like that. (laughs) All right. So um, I'm very enthusiastic about this book. I'm less enthusiastic about this next book. Iceman number one from Marvel Comics, written by Cena Grace with art by Nathan Stockman, who I, I last saw on the Spidey uh, book. It was sort of a more all ages throwback book. And, uh, I liked the first issue of the last Iceman miniseries. I thought that was interesting, but not interesting enough, clearly, to keep reading it. Uh, so when I when I saw this had come out, it had got canceled and came back, I said, oh, okay, there must be something going on here. Um, well, let's see what Marvel has to say about it. He's back. Iceman is back, which is good because someone is hunting the Morlocks for sport. Now it's up to Bobby Drake to prevent another potential mutant massacre. But who's behind this horrific hunt? You won't believe it if we tell you. Guest starring Bishop. Uh, This was fine. It was a fine X-Men, you know, um, single character spinoff book. Uh, I, I honestly didn't care that much. There was nothing that made me hate it, but I just wasn't that interested in it. Um, and you know, Nathan Stockman's art on the Spidey book didn't bother me so much, but there's something about this one that looks very mid nineties. Yeah. 
Um, it's hard to explain why, except for all of like the the muscle definition and the cross hatching has a very '90s flair to it. Lack, but, of, um, def- lack of definition. Bishop, Bishop, Bishop's very '90s. Yeah. Well, so, it's, um, it's, it, it, he doesn't like body proportion is all over the place in this book. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I, here's the thing. I will say this. I don't mind that there is a gay Iceman. I think it's fine. I don't care about that character enough to give a crap if they turn him gay. It doesn't bother me. In fact, I applaud it um, because I think that gay characters should be represented. You may disagree about how they you know, got there because it was weird. But now that he's gay, whatever. They're not going to undo it. Um, I just wish that this book was more interesting for me as a reader. What did you guys think? Mark? I agree. Uh, I, I think that... Um... I don't know. I it just feels like this voice for Iceman is just weird. Um, I honestly, there were some parts of this book that I feel it was like written in another language. <laughs> like <laughs> I could not like I would read the word bubble like three or four times, and I'd be like, "What is what is he saying?" It's mm-hmm. and I get it. Um, and like, there's even a, a moment in this book where Bishop says, "Look." Um, I know you're a teacher, so use your communication skills and stop with the like cutesy references or, or just like the, mm. the, you know, the way of talking around stuff. And uh, I, I mean, I think that with the mutant massacre, such uh, I that's um, like near and dear to my heart, um, having it be in just all taken care of in one issue um, by Iceman and Bishop, the like sequel to it, he called it mutant massacre volume two um that that's just kind of like an insult to the 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 original one that was so good um that to me that's that's one of the things that i would love to see made into a movie it hasn't been thankfully because hopefully because uh i mean i'm glad because that means it can be made in a movie someday and can be done well um but uh yeah i i i just think the voice is weird i can't i just don't I, like half the time I don't even understand what he's saying um, yeah I don't know like, what do you think Rob I, I mean I'll agree with you um, having recently had a friend who uh, decided to come out of the closet after knowing him for many years and after he was married for 20 plus years uh, I, 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 you know, I acquiesce on I acquiesce on Bobby Drake because I have seen the I don't want to say the ruse in action now, but I've seen the ruse in action and it, it can be played off. I, I you know, I, I balked at it at first because of the history of Bobby, how close he'd gotten to the altar and how it had never really kind of come up before. Um, I will say with my friend, he had made a lewds before he came out of the closet. So I'll say Marvel might have had a miss on that one. But, uh, you know, let it go. Who cares? Whatever. Yeah. Um, very accurate representation of Hell's Kitchen. It was used to be a fucking nightmare. And now it is completely regentrified and gay. So they did a good job on that. Yeah, the rest of the story, though, wafer thin and stop blowing out the fucking universe. There's just... There's no. I, I saw no need for this. I saw no uh, ongoing need for this. It was just really a, a silly wafer thin one and done. You uh, you hit the nail on the head though. I think that um, there's a story in here of him actually coming out of the closet and dealing with those conflicting feelings and wondering what's going on with his family and everything. And it it really uh-huh. does feel like it's being glossed over 
with him being just so light and fluffy um, here. In well, they the gave story. him they they gave they gave him pardon the pun, but they really gave him an out of coming to grips with those complexities because of the younger Bobby Drake. Yeah. Ah, suck it up, man. It's cool. It's new. It's it. Just do it and stop, you know, ruining my possible future. Okay, yeah. I'm out. Yeah, there, there. And again, I've gone through a personal experience with it now, so per- perhaps I'm I'm looking at it through too sensitive or too acute of a lens. What I like about Bobby's portrayal here is that he, first of all, he's always been the jokester of the team. And so now he's dealing with more, he's, he's trying to grow up quote unquote and deal with, um, situations on a more grown up matter with less jokes. And you can see him warring with himself here, uh, which I actually kind of like, um, he's, he's sort of trying to deal with his, uh, inability to cope with things sans humor here. So I, I like that. Um, but yeah, the the dialogue is a little clunky. So it, I I agree with what you were saying earlier, Mark, about having to reread panels a couple times because I was sure. like, wait, what is being said here? Yeah, um, and I didn't know if, like some of these people if that was their names or if that was just some a word I don't know, like Malin. I don't know if that's I guess that's a that's this lady's name or a guy's uh-huh. name. I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, but um, Maiden. Yeah, it, it it's uh it's just stuff like that it just feels unclear and mm-hmm. it just doesn't I, I don't know there there is like a barrier here with i mean i mean there's i could see an inkling of a story i think there was way too much this isn't Iceman and bishop um or ice ship he, he <laughs> um I, I so i don't know why bishop factored so prominently in this issue um and why it couldn't have been just you know Iceman going down there investigating and um and finding this and finding the mutants because really i mean bishop helped but he wasn't crucial to being in this story um, well i think no i think he was just going for a odd couple sort of momentum yeah but why do that in the first issue though um unless yeah. bishop is going to be like integral. Cons- yeah integral in the whole thing i think this just feels like a, a you know needless x-men cameo um, mm-hmm. it, it was one of those things that reminded me when uh, Deadpool went to uh, the X Mansion in the first X Men movie, or in the first Deadpool yeah, yeah. movie. He's like, it's almost as if the studios couldn't fork out any money for uh, more than one X Men. Uh, you know, yeah. it's like they just sent him along. But uh, and I, I don't know that that's it's cool. Um, like I I don't mind there being a gay character. I really don't mind. I didn't like you said, JD. I was never like. A, diehard Iceman fan. I don't think there are diehard Iceman fans, but um, <laughs> they, uh, this one, it, it's, yeah, it just doesn't feel like from the art all the way down from the art to the, to the writing, it just feels like it's, it's missing its mark. It's not really, yeah. it's not really there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I just feel like I, he, he, he uses these ice golems like more than once in this issue. And it feels yeah. like that should have been, like a one like a big thing that's like a splash page thing where the ice golems are fighting everybody and well i mean it's an old it's an old thing now at this point he's been doing this for a couple of years now oh he has golems. see this yeah. i guess i haven't read any ice man in the last couple that was years. uh that was part of his second mutation i mean okay. it's, it's been years i'll i'll say like this is around the same time uh beast became a kitty cat yeah, yeah. oh okay yeah okay i didn't realize that but um yeah, yeah i mean it, even even this uh, Mr. Sinister cameo, it's oh, it's just like 
it's like, yeah, who gives a shit at this point? And it, they're like, yeah, like um, even in the description, they say, oh, guess who's you'll never guess who's behind this mutant massacre. It's like if I had three guesses, a, I would have gotten it. <laughs> same, it's the same motherfucker who was behind the last music mutant massacre. <laughs> you know, he's the <laughs> one that did the Marauders last time. <laughs> so, oh, is that true? Yeah. Well, I never, just... Honestly, I never read one of those. It's one of those X-Men stories that I've never gone back and experienced. The oh, it's a lot of massacre, fun. especially. It's I, I know fun. it's like. I know it's up there with like the um, Dark Phoenix saga and stuff as like important. Isn't that that's stuff. where uh, the final issue around the final issue that was where uh, Angel lost his wings. Angel loses Ooh, his wings. Yeah. Uh, like a bunch of Morlocks die. It introduces the feud between Sabretooth and Wolverine that had never. Oh, yeah. What? That's the first fight between those two. It happens. Holy there. shit! So yeah, there's a whole bunch of really big stuff that happens there. Like uh, and. Just the whole story of the mutants and how like one mutant like Caliban escapes and goes to the goes to the X mansion for help because they're being slaughtered and then uh, Storm beats Callisto and becomes the the leader of the Morlocks and she that's when she gets that punk rock kind of like mohawk and leather Ooh, leather it. look so there's a lot of really good story going on with such a it's like a and it goes on like through like six different whatever those six different x books were at that time like x factor mm -hmm. x-men un mm -hmm. or x factor uncanny x-men new mutants and uh power pack weirdly enough that's <laughs> right yeah, yeah they they were all in it and they were all down in the sewers of new york and it was just really cool i it i yeah you definitely should go back and read that one that's a yeah, it's on my list. I'll get. I'll grab. You know, Marvel does those really nice epic collections now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I might it's, grab that. Um, Moving uh, forward with Red Hood and the Outlaws, number twenty-six, written by Scott Lobdell. Still, still written by Scott Lobdell, <laughs> uh, with art by Pete Woods. And uh, the reason we, what well, reason he I said that you said that like Bob Loblaw. Bob Loblaw. Yeah. Scott Lobdell. Bob Loblaw. Uh, um. The reason we're talking about this is because he's got a new costume. He's been banished from Gotham. And uh, now he's got a new costume where he's wearing like a motocross mask, but also his domino mask. And then he's also got a leather jacket and he's got some red uh, gauze. He's got a red hood. His arms. He's got a he's red got a, hood. He's got an actual hood this time, which I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, um I thought I thought maybe we should check it out. Uh, I do. I, I don't know. I don't hate the new outfit. It's a little '90s ish. We keep doing this throwback to '90s stuff, but it does feel a little like um, B-list image character costume. But there's something about it that kind of works for me. Yeah, um, I like it. And he also don't forget he uses a crowbar. Uh, yes, he does. I love that. Yeah, because it, that's a wink back or a nod back to how he died. So that's yeah, kind of cool. Yeah. Um, he should have. I think that's a great addition to the character. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I really like this book and I haven't been following Red Hood and the Outlaws. Um, I mm -hmm. like uh, I, I kind of like the idea of Artemis and uh, Bizarro teaming up with him. It was a weird little group. But yeah. um, of like kind of secondary characters that are a little bit the grim and gritty versions of the Trinity, basically. Um, or, although Cesaro isn't really grim and gritty, but uh, I don't know. I, I this was fun. Uh, it, it was. I think that it it read like a Moon Knight book almost. Hmm. 
Uh, he he feels like I mean he even looks a little bit like Moon Knight, like a red Moon Knight. Um, but uh, yeah, he's got um, he's got this attitude. He's he is not afraid to kill. Which is kind no, of no. He nuts. was stabbing folks in the face. He, he was <laughs> blowing people up, and then he grabs yeah. he grabs the gun and he shoots the two guys in the face. It's yeah, all this stuff. It's, Stab the guy in the chest with the American flag. <laughs> well, you know, we were talking about this on, on, I think Landon and I were talking about this on Gutter Talk about the character and how we don't really feel like there's been anything to do with him ever since he came back from being the murderous Red Hood. Mm-hmm. And uh, my view of this character is that he should just be DC's Punisher. Yeah. So, you know, last issue, he wounds up breaking his promise to Batman. And I, I guess he murdered Oswald Cobblepot, which oh, yeah. obviously that's not going to stick. Um, but so he's been banished. He, you know, Batman took the, the bat off of his chest and, and banished him from, uh, Gotham. And so I'm glad to see him being ruthless and just murdering criminals again. Cause that's what the character, it feels more appropriate to that character for me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I, I thought it was fun and I, I like it that Scott Lobdell is still writing this book and he's, it seems like he really likes Jason Todd Mm -hmm. as a character. Um, and it's cool. I'm glad this book exists. Um, I I might actually read it now that it's just him. Um, yeah. Because I think that it, it, he deserves his own book. And if they just call this Red Hood Outlaw, then that's cool. Um, I liked what they did with the cover, too. They kind of crossed out and the Outlaws. Uh, they It's just Red Hood Outlaw. Just, oh, yeah. I didn't even notice that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Rob, what would you think, bud? So I like the outfit in theory. I like modernizations. I'm not someone who believes in tights, this is going to be the stupidest fucking hood I've ever seen on a superhero. The red hoodie on peripheral (laughs) vision. That that was one of the things I was thinking is like, in reality, uh, you're not going to be able to look around you. (laughs) Well, you have to then, then what about Moon Knight? He has the same kind of hood. That's true. You're right. I don't read. I don't read Moon Knight. I do. I love. That's my favorite Marvel character. Your dude. I, I'm willing to give it up more for someone of mystical design. Someone of someone who is not the heightened pinnacle of human attributes, but has also doesn't um, worldly sense about them. Doesn't um, Green Arrow have a hood? Yeah. 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 There's, yeah, there's a lot of common like hood. Hood and like uh, Iron Fist and uh, Luke Cage do in the TV show. It's true, but it's true. Green, you know, Green Arrow is not always a upfront combat baller or brawler. He baller. He, you know, he does a lot of his. He can first, aim from a block away. Or is yeah. it, that's where he does his first strikes. I mean, I, I yeah. don't want to disparage him and say he doesn't go into the fray. But yeah, first strike, the weakening of whatever. Yeah, he does. He does that from a distance. So I'll, you know what? I'm yeah. gonna give it to Jason just because he basically has ninja training at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, he has League of Assassins training and Batman yeah. training. That's yeah. I'm gonna give it to him. Pretty freaking uh, formidable. If this was just a kid who put on this judge, also they keep drawing the hoodie as if it's like Batman's cape. There's just a lot of it. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, if this was just a kid wearing this gigantic hood, uh, I probably would have more of a problem with it. But because it's Jason, uh, I'm going to let it slide. Cool. Yeah. Plus, it just looks so da- goddamn cool. Yeah, it does look cool. Uh, yeah, there. The, I like the when the guy he says he's, he's gonna. He tells everybody what he's gonna do. Um, 
before he does it and he, he puts the flare up that guy's ass is pretty funny although yes. oh man i had a flashback so my wife has been watching 13 reasons oh, God. Uh, on netflix yep and uh did you watch the second season rob yeah it was terrible yeah, well the show's not good um but um uh when he put that thing up that guy's butt all i could think of was which was one of the reasons for me it was terrible. They they went to not that this is a thirteen reasons review, but they they went to the the issue of the week with it and tried to mm-hmm. cram in so much that I mean, have you guys finished it yet? Yeah, I, it gets to into the, the it gets thing. into the yeah. realm of almost implausible. Where the first was so sweet and so bittersweet obviously i mean it's about suicide but um i there was a tenderness to it there was an impactfulness to it and that's where the book ended and this guy jumped back into the gravy train see it worked like handsmaid's tale when they did season two fucking works it works Mm -hmm. beyond the season one construct of just the book and bring that home this felt like such a fucking cash grab on that it was so over the top with like all the dramatic stuff really bad heroin and shooters and oh yeah just a whole bunch of stuff um but anyway i still like this book yeah mm-hmm. i yeah. would recommend it for somebody who's looking for a dc version of the punisher um yeah. i mean technically i guess that's terminator but still terminator has powers and uh or is it oh, deathstroke deathstroke yeah sorry deathstroke okay. was like the but, terminator uh, no no yeah i meant yeah. deathstroke but yeah um i don't know uh, yeah, this this is fun. Uh, I I, I want to see where this is going. I might read the next couple issues, like this arc, to see what's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm in. I think it's uh, a, a good reintroduction to the character for people who have fallen off, like I have. Yeah, yeah. The Wrong Earth, number one, by Tom Payer and Jamal Eigel. Uh, I this I, I believe I got sent this book for free. Uh, my comic shop. And because um, it showed up on my shelf and I was like, what the f- I didn't order this. It's from so, Ahoy. Yeah, Ahoy Comics. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also has some back matter from Grant Morrison and Shannon Wheeler of Too Much Coffee Man fame. Mm-hmm. And um, I honestly wasn't even going to look at it. I wasn't going to read it. And then Mark had talked about maybe doing it for the show. So I read it. And um, oh, I forgot to do the thing. Let's see. Wrong Earth. Ahoy Comics says... Ahoy Comics launches with a biting superhero satire. On one world, Dragonfly Man and his sidekick Stinger enjoy a life of adventure. On another earth, the Dragonfly hunts criminal parasites like a lethal exterminator. But what happens when these two heroes change places? I'll tell you what happens. It's dope. I thought this was a lot of fun. I'm prepared for Mark to hate it because he doesn't like alternate versions of characters. But I thought this was awesome. I don't like Mark? alternate versions of characters that I like. This is a new okay. new character, and this was one of the best um, introductory kind of like issues for a comic company that I've read in, in a long time since like since Black Mask for me. Yeah, since Black Mask, and since uh, um, like when Valiant yeah. first came out. I also think I also think of Aftershock. This high concept kind of uh, reminds me of when those books launched. Yeah, mm. or Boom, uh, even. Uh, yeah, or, or any independent publisher, I guess. Never mind. Anyone that's still around. Anyone that's still around. It's like you see a lot of lot of people trying mm. this, um, but an independent publisher going for superheroes—that is something that has not happened in a long time. 
and um this this is the right take on it i i love the i love the just the coincidence that they go inside a mirror at the same time and that's how they end up on the other each other's realities um yep. i love yeah, the, got a, the, inter- the bad guy's name is number one but he's basically like the mirror master from dc comics yeah he's like he's really uh yeah he's he's really uh just um what do you call it narcissistic and you know mm-hmm. all that stuff um yeah this is great this is really really right. really strong writing strong like the artist god it's gorgeous there's there's this scene at the beginning. Um, it's like a double splash page where um, you're introduced to number one, and it's this like interior shot of his like elaborate uh, place where he lives, and it's just really, really just gorgeous. All of it is. Oh yeah, Jamal Eigel drew the shit out of this book. Yeah, I love. It this. looks really nice. Yeah. Um, I, I think what I love best about it is the two worlds are uh, a definitive reflection of the silver age characters and characters today. One world Mm -hmm, is dark. One world is gritty. The heroes become the anti-hero full of foibles. And then the other one, you know, everything's peaches and cream and lollipops, uh, just like the silver age. So, you know, Mm -hmm. very much an indictment on us as well. And where we've, uh, as fans have collectively asked them to twist the narrative towards give Mm -hmm. us darker, give us bleaker, because yeah. you know the camp, and now we're bitching the other way. Give us more camp, please. I mean, we yeah. we can never be fully pleased. But I mean, I just you know really put those those that issue in stark contrast with one another mm-hmm. in one issue. And I also love the fact that in the dark world there was no sidekick, or the sidekick is has been gone forever. And the first thing number one does when he comes out <laughs> is fucking stab the sidekick. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Oh, you're a small yeah. child. You'd look better dead. Also, that also that's the first thing that happens to Dragonfly Man when he walks out to the cops. The cops just blow him away, and it's. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's not dead. I mean, otherwise, the series would lose its kind of like hook. But um, well, now still... they said in the last they said in the last page they were going to extort him for money. They're going to yeah, get paramedics yeah. there. We're going to save you, and we're going to yeah. extort you for money because you're the just... millionaire Wall Street broker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah his name's Dick Fame. <laughs> Yeah, even like even the names and everything is really, really, yeah. really fun. Um, the, yeah, it's basically they took Batman nineteen sixty six and mushed it with Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, yep, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it, to to excellent results. Yeah, and I also yeah. love it that uh, Dragonfly um, is like he's he's like I'll take on the cops. Uh, uh, you know, just just you apply pressure to the wound, and the cops come in. They're all friendly to him, and this guy doesn't know he was ready. I was fully ready for him to just like. Beat the shit murder the cops yeah yeah, yeah. Murder them, beat the shit out of them but uh yeah it doesn't do that so it's pretty cool pretty really really cool stuff here um yeah, i didn't get to read the morrison story uh nah. but i will because i like grant morrison stuff but um the uh the second story was kind of fun too did you read that yeah sort of a throwback to um old archie not archie but like um Gosh, what, uh, yeah, the old Archie comics or whatever. Archie or, or like, you know, the old fucking, the kid with all the money, Richie Rich. Richie Rich, yeah. The yeah. Harvey the Harvey comics. The Harvey, yeah. thank you. I like it that he's, he says things like, I criminy. Yeah. <laughs> Golly. Oh, yeah. So funny. And uh, the, the bad guy's name is, oh, God. Slim Stan the Flim Flam Man. <laughs> yep. That's just pretty awesome. And he fucking gets torn apart by an orangutan. 
<laughs> at the end and that protects his story yeah. uh that, i mean there's so there's like there's this kind of really dark undercurrent to all of these all of this um it, it's it there's this really devious streak in here that i really really liked i just yeah. feel like there's there's just a really nice edge to this book that you don't normally see mm-hmm. i agree yeah. i'm gonna read more of it i'm glad they sent it to me because i don't think i would have ordered it um so i'm glad we got it because i will definitely yeah. be ordering more of it in the future and there's a cat named Captain Ginger. That's another book that they're doing. It's a cat man. Oh, That's, interesting. Did you see the uh, the extras in the book? There's like no. Captain Ginger and Shannon Shannon Wheeler. He's he's a cat in a spacesuit. Oh, okay. I don't know <laughs> if I'll care about that as much, but. <laughs> <laughs> it might be awesome. Who knows? We didn't think much of this one first when we it's saw true, it. But, it's true. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's good stuff. Good. Yeah. All right. Um, or anything, did, Rob, did you? Else? What did you think of this? Did you I just, uh, I, I just, yeah, I talked for about five minutes on it. Okay, <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, I'm gonna go <laughs> play more Spider-Man. Um, <clears throat> thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you can email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com. You can go to cultpopgo.com and leave us a voicemail if you'd like. Um, you can tweet at me at JD's Hero Complex on Twitter. And Rob? Google Rob, R O B P A T E Y, Patey, and you'll find me. Just say nice. what's up. Yeah. Mark? Yeah. <laughs> God. You can find Mark's Patreon at ML Miller Writes. Or no, just it's ML Miller. Miller. Yeah. ML Miller at Patreon. Uh, yeah, and uh, okay. I have ML Miller Writes. Uh, in October, I'm going to do my uh, uh, countdown, 30-day oh, yeah. countdown to the best horror movies of the year. So that's always fun. And uh, uh, expect the Grave Transfers trade to come out very soon. I'm not sure when, but it will Word. Be very soon. From which publisher? Uh, Black Mask. Right on. Uh, oh, yeah, I got a Patreon, too. Uh, you can go to Patreon slash Johnny Destructo and throw some money if you enjoy these podcasts because it takes uh, a pain in my butt to edit two-hour shows, you sons of bitches. You're welcome. Uh, we missed this, you. this one was just an hour. That's true. It's because I was here. Yes. Oh. Yeah. You wrangle right. us in. Oh, uh, yeah, fuck you guys. Have a good night. Love you. Bye. Uh, sure. We'll talk at you later. I don't know. Nice flip-flop. Listen, I'm drunk. I got it. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky. And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles. Recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>